All right, let's look at the book of Romans. And uh, I, I've titled this uh, Romans chapter 1. That's, that's my really great title, <laughs> Romans chapter 1. All right? So I'm going to start by giving you a little bit about Paul, a little understanding about Paul. Um, and so uh, I thank you so much, Sound Booth, for putting that up. But I'm going to go ask you to put up eight, uh, Acts 8, 1 through, uh, through 3. And um, we'll look at who is Paul, the author. Let's talk a little bit about the author and find out who he is. Uh, in uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 1, the first verse says, Now Saul was consenting to his death, Stephen. Saul was a, a, a part of the, the murder of Stephen. I'm going to call it that, murder, if you don't mind. And if, and if you want to correct me, I, know, I do know that Stephen gave his life, but they killed him brutally. And uh, Saul was there consenting, like, get him, hit him, hit him again, hit him again, you know, or holding the clothes. It says, at that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And so the apostles stayed put in Jerusalem because Jerusalem was the place where they were ministering from. And so, uh, but everybody else was scattered all over. But God used that to spread the gospel uh, by being scattered over. So Paul was a part of that problem. And sometimes you may look at somebody and you think, this guy is a problem. Well, that guy could be the person that God's going to use to be uh, a solution as well. So let's look at it. It says, and devout men, that meant, you know, of course you know what that means, reverencing God, being pious, being very religious. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. They cried just greatly over him. As for Saul, this was the man who's later called Paul, he made havoc of the church, entering, listen, every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And when the scripture says every house, it's showing you how widespread it was. You know, uh, it's not just saying every single house in the city, but it's how widespread it was. And so he was uh, creating havoc, the Bible says. Uh, he was creating havoc. He made havoc of the church. And so that word havoc has to do with defiling the church, dishonoring the church, uh, uh, doing things that were shameful or injurious uh, to the church, ravaging the church, devastating or trying to bring the church to ruin. That's what he was doing. That was his job. He was motivated to do that because of his religious zeal, misplaced as it was. And um, uh, the, the, the Bible also talks about uh, uh, in the way that he was causing, trying to cause a stigma on the church. He did it to bring the church uh, uh, into reproach or to uh, damage the church's reputation so that you'll find out what Paul was doing was trying to destroy the church, and that's what the enemy is doing today. So I believe the re reason, one of the reasons that the Lord told me to teach on the book of Romans is because we are really living in a day when the world system is very violent against the church, and many, um, quote-unquote, men of God, I'm going to say, quote-unquote, put it in quotations, because they're not truly, at this time, seen to be men and women of God. They are giving in to 
social pressures and political pressures uh, to do various things. And I've been talking about this for a long time now. And there will come a time to when, when uh, perhaps I won't be talking about it because we will, we will be so inundated with it that, that it, will be, it will be obvious to all. And then in Acts chapter 9, you find Paul again. You know, he is still called Saul. And it says in uh, Acts 9 verses uh, 1 through how many I get to, says, uh, then Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord and went to the high priest. And here he was in his mind doing something for God, but being 180 degrees off base. 180 degrees. He, was, he had done totally an about face to what God was doing. So I say these things because we all must be aware that the enemy is very cunning. He, he is, he, we would call it, I, we didn't know the word probably cunning when I was a, a young kid, but we say slick. You know? yeah. yeah, he's uh, doing evil things and he wants to use you. You're the target audience, primarily the target audience. And so he wants to, to do that. And so Paul was breathing threats and, um, and, and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. Now listen, you go to the high priest to commit murder and create havoc. You can see how corrupt things were, and uh, they are even today. And I would say, as I'm giving you this introduction, uh, talking about Paul, uh, who was then called Saul, you can understand why God wants us to look at this treatise on Romans. And he asked letters from the high priest uh, to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any, who were of the way, W-A-Y. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he found, if he found anybody of the way, listen, whether men or women, no, no respect. And we're finding that the world has no respect for women. When I grew up, you, you gave a woman your seat. Young people sit down and say, hey, she can stand you like I can. But we were taught to, to be courteous uh, to women. We were always taught that's something that God wanted. He has done that. And he calls the woman the weaker vessel or the fragile vessel. Sometimes I really do that word study to find out where is that weakness. But, <laughs> you know, because our sisters aren't weak as we suppose. But I think that means like fine china. Honestly, I think that means like fine china. Very careful. You handle it carefully. And because God has something that he's given them that we all need, right? But uh, you find, found that he didn't mind dragging women. I mean, this was a bad guy. Uh, and so God, God saves sinners. So if you know somebody who's really bad, say, wow, I'm glad God saved sinners. You know, because then you can look at the mirror and, and find yourself. I'm glad God saved me. You see, because you and I, those of us who didn't do a whole lot of the horror, the horrible stuff, just hadn't had the opportunity. God took away the opportunity. That's common grace. All right? So let's look at this a moment. That he, uh, he was, he wanted... Uh, authorization to drag men and women that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, now he had his idea and his agenda, um, but Scripture says um, in verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Or who are you, sir? The Lord said, then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. I'm Jesus, 
Now, Paul got a good revelation from that, we're going to understand later, because he was not attacking Jesus as it were his personal body in a sense, but he was attacking his body. And so Jesus took issue with him attacking him, his body, you. So Jesus arrested that guy from heaven, talked to him from heaven, didn't use an, uh, an emissary or an intermediary. He talked to him personally from heaven. Why are you doing this to me? And he said, who are you, Lord, or sir? Who are you, sir? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. You know, those things on the oxen when they're little. We used to call them like, um, as I'm with the horses and the mules, they were called a single tree or a double tree where they had the little thing behind the horse so he couldn't kick too much or the mule he couldn't kick. And so the oxen, if they would kick, oh, it hurt. Oh, it hurt. So it was doing so much damage to the oxen, they stopped kicking. And so he said, you're kicking against the goads, buddy. That's what he's saying to Saul. And, um, and so he, Saul, trembling and astonished. I, I love this. Do you love this? I, I love this. This is the man who wrote Romans, the book that we're going to be looking at in a moment. He said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That should be the first cry of every, every heart. What do you want me to do? Now, what do you want the pastor to do? What do you want the elders to do? What do you want the praise team to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Am I just to, be, to sit down and go listen and go back and be the same? What do you want me to do? Put my hands to something. Yes, put my heart to something. Put my life to something. Give my life something. You've never lived until you've found something worth giving your life for. And that's how I feel. Give my life for it. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a better hand on that. Come on. Then the Lord said to him, I love, I love this as well. This is giving you a little history about Paul. The Lord says to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. I love that. So God did not tell him personally everything he was to do. He says, you go, I've got somebody who will tell you. And one of the, the lessons that we all must learn is that God doesn't speak to us all by himself. He humbles us by sending us the people who will tell us what God has said. That's amazing. Yes, even the pastor. Yes, even the pastor. He doesn't tell the pastor of any church every single thing. He'll, he'll, he'll cause you to humble yourself before people, and they'll have a word for you. That's every word that somebody has is not for you. Sometimes it's for them. But yet, yet God will send you to somebody else. And, he's, and the men who journeyed with Paul in verse 7 uh, stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul said, uh, arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now, it's a very powerful story. Here's this bully uh, is now under strong conviction. So it doesn't matter how bad somebody is, God can still save them. Look at verse 10. Now, there was a certain... A disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and not the Ananias that we see that, that lied to the Spirit of God. Um, and to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, 
so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, <laughs> I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, sometimes we see, we see things, of course, in one, one way, but God sees all in every way, fully. He, he sees 360 degrees, fully. And so he says, go. Now listen, for he is a chosen vessel of mine. Can you imagine that? The goodness and the mercy of God. God loves. This, is, this was a revelation for me as a young person. God loves people you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know and can I just digress at this moment? There have been times when I've seen people acting so poorly. I wanted to give them a real jack up, you know? You know, really deal with them and their attitude. And God says, no, I don't want to do it that way. I'm thinking, come on, Lord. Lord, you know they need it. But how many times did I need it? And God didn't let somebody give it to me. God is good. God is good. He says, go to Ananias. For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Wow. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Now listen, Ananias heard the voice of God, and he responded accordingly. And you and I, when we hear the voice of God, we must respond accordingly. And listen how he says, Brother Saul. Now, you, you, you know, I know there's got to be at least one other person like me. We wouldn't want to call him brother. All that, you've heard all these people. You're there when Stephen, that good, that young man, that good man. And you're consenting to the, his death, and you're holding the clothes of his murderers. No, I can't call you that. I'll need a while. I have to fast and pray. No. Yeah. You have to obey. That's right. You have to obey. Listen to what he says. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is so important, so germane to our life, that, that you may... Receive your sight, that is physical uh, blindness to be gone. And to deal with your spiritual blindness, you need the Holy Spirit. Isn't it, isn't it great? Immediately, there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So Ananias baptized him, so when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples of Damascus. I, I love this because the, the, the physical healing palm I think was indicative of the spiritual healing it ind indicated spiritual healing just like it happened instantly this man was healed and just a pop of a finger snap of a finger I think is the right way to say that verse 20 immediately that's why I say he immediately received spiritual sight also because immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God now he's been rebuking consenting to murder and doing all these things because 
Jesus is false and everybody's worshiping him is false. That's because he hadn't had a revelation. And look here. And now immediately he's preaching that Jesus is the son of God. And he is not just doing it from his personal experience. Not knowing his personal experience is what got his attention. But now he's preaching it because now he has spiritual sight. I love spiritual intelligence. I really love spiritual intelligence. And you can always tell when people have spiritual intelligence. It always affects how they treat others, how they interact with people. Listen when he says. Uh, then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem? He destroyed them. Is this not him and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Proven from the scripture because he got spiritual sight. And Father, I pray over this house that we would have spiritual sight, that we would understand that you would give us insight, give us sight. Sight, insight, that is that from our spirit man that ministers to everything that we do outwardly. In Jesus' name, Lord, everybody who wants it, give it to them today. In the name of Jesus Christ, give it to them today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Now, let me just, um, well, let me just go ahead and give you the whole gamut of it. Uh, Saul escapes death now in verse 23. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. Now, he had been plotting to kill and destroy people, and now the shoe is on the other foot. Now, the same, the people who were his accomplices before, uh, they are now trying to get him. So you have to be careful who you run with. You know, be careful how you make alliances, especially worldly alliances. And I see that as pervasive, you know, in the body of Christ. It's pervasive. We call it sometimes getting over, you know. But uh, so this is what's happening. They're, now they're plotted, plotting to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul. And they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. Uh, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. Well, we're going to give them some grace, all right? Let's give them some grace. Verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. There's always a Barnabas in the house. There's always somebody who said, well, I trust him, you know. There's always somebody like that. And so Barnabas went to get him. But I'm sure the other saints say, well, you just go where he is. Don't bring him where we are. Right? I think that's okay to give the saints some slack here. All right? It says, um, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken uh, to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, the Grecian uh, Jews. But they attempted to kill him. And when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Now, the world's, uh, the world's weaponry uh, has probably changed a little bit. They don't try to, as it were, uh, in this country, at, at this juncture, we don't try to kill you with the gun or with a knife or whatever, 
uh, but, but we try to kill your reputation, try to destroy you maybe by taking you to court or, or some way or go on, on YouTube or, or Facebook or one of those uh, mediums. They'll try to do that and destroy you. Yeah, that's how the devil does it today. He does it on the Internet and other ways. And so uh, here ends. Now, and I'm going to read this one, and then we're going to uh, couple, and then we're going to go to Romans. Or give it, we'll spend just a little time with Romans, and then we'll do it later, more a bit later. But I, I wanted you to have a background of Paul who wrote this book. And uh, so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, here you have false people that were coming. They were uh, false uh, apostles and uh, false believers who were uh, uh, saying how great they were. Actually, they were leading the church away from, from grace. They were leading the church away from grace. And uh, here uh, Paul writes uh, in his own defense, and he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Um, are they uh, the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? He says, I speak as a fool. I am more. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit allowed him to do that. And, and so listen, and so he was saying is it's foolish to boast this, but he was trying to put the, keep the church on track. I speak as a fool, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Can you imagine your pastor sitting in jail a day while you're worshiping? You know, there'll be people say, I'm not going to go to that church anymore because he wouldn't be in jail if he hadn't done anything wrong. As my wife often says, there are a lot of people who are innocent in jail. And we find that from time to time. But we haven't gotten all of them, everybody. Everybody here in the house, I'm talking to everybody online too. Everybody who is in jail is not guilty. And some of them we've executed and they were not guilty. So, so here is a man of God in jail. So if, they, if I get thrown into jail, don't be asking, what did he do this time? He's going to say, I'm going to believe he's innocent until we find out. Okay, listen to what he says. Um, from the Jews, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Can you imagine in death, okay, in prisons more frequently, that's why I didn't get that one, in, in prison more frequently in deaths often. In other words, he faced death so many times. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things what, come, which, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I'm not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. And so then Paul says, it is doubtless, in 2 Corinthians 12, the first six verses, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. 
He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And what Paul is showing us who he is, and we see the grace of God, that this man who had consented to the death of murder of, of the first Christian martyr, Stephen, was now caught up even to heaven itself and was t heard things and shown things. He says, it's not even lawful for a man to say them. And I really believe the Holy Spirit has given me some insight into some of the things that he said and some of the things he's seen. But, and this man, God, showed immeasurable grace, the same grace he's given to all of us. And so uh, I want us to understand who this man is. Now, uh, just I'm going to take just a few minutes, uh, and I'm going to read over Romans 1 through 17, and then we'll come back and we'll teach it. Uh, not right now, we'll come and teach it the next outing, I think perhaps Wednesday, uh, unless I've gotten somebody to preach, I think Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. We'll do it Wednesday. All right. So let me read Romans, uh, and this is going to give you some understanding of it, and I will make very, very few comments. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant, a slave of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, or his humanity, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So what Paul is showing us, that he was a sent one by God and that his humanity came through David, kingship, uh, but he was declared by the Holy, Holy Spirit to be the Son of God, and the resurrection is the proof, all right, uh, from the dead. Through him, Paul says, we have received grace and apostleship, an apostleship. We have received grace, unmerited favor, an apostleship for obedience to the faith, for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you also, he's speaking to his audience, his Roman audience, you are the called of Jesus Christ. And he writes, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, again, called to be saints, called to be set apart, called to be sanctified ones. He says, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying is he was authorized by God to speak on God's behalf. And he could do it via the Holy Spirit. I want you to know what you have with the Holy Spirit. I want you to know how Jesus comes into your heart is through the Holy Spirit. And Paul is making this very clear that when you and I have the Holy Spirit, we have God in, in us. And we must understand that in, a, in its fuller meaning. All right? To all who at Rome, 
Yes, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. So the faith is spoken of throughout the whole world, and we saw it in, in their actions, right, in their actions. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means now at last I may find my, a way, rather, in the will of God to come to you, that I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. You've heard that expression uh, many times in our preaching that we have to find a way in the will of God, not find a way other than the will of God, all right? Find a way in the will of God to do what God has placed in our hearts. He says, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. And this is what we know about biblical apostles, right? That I may uh, uh, give you some or impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. He said that is... And he explains it further, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both, by the mutual faith of, of both you and me. Something like that. Okay. Got my both out of place. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. He's preaching the gospel. Let's see what that is. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. Now listen. For everyone who believes. Let me read that again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power, the dunamis of God to salvation for everyone who believes. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew. Let's give it a word. For the Jew. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. And he's speaking of, of priority there. You know, for the Jew first. They were the first. For the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Or as it is written, the righteous ones must live, shall live. By faith. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this word today. Thank you for understanding that only you give. We bless you in your mighty and glorious name through Jesus Christ. Amen. I'll be back in a moment.